Hi, this is Jason from the Take Heart Podcast. We're going to do something a little bit different for this episode, and I thought it would be interesting to include an episode from my other podcast, The Relational Revolution, where my co-host Chad Waller practices some gentle curiosity with me in an interview. And you'll hear a little bit more of my inner landscape, my thinking, who I am and what I do. And as always, I appreciate you listening. Hey guys, welcome back to the Relational Revolution podcast. Today we're going to do something a little different. I've learned over the past few months something with Luke 10 that I have absolutely fallen in love with. And it's called gentle curiosity. It's a a unique way of getting to know one another, to get to know more about someone. It's a, a great way to ask questions, to find out things that maybe you didn't know about someone. And so with general curiosity today, I'm going to interview Jason and uh, just, I, I think this is very important for you guys to find out about who we are and our experience and why we even have the right to be talking about these things that we are. So, hey, Jason, is that all right if I interview you today? Yeah, let's let's do it, Chad. All right. So, Jason, simply tell us who is, no, I just asked an Instagram for to simply tell us, Jason, <laughs> beautifully and with much complexity, will you tell us? Who is Jason Twombly? Ah, what a splendid, sublime, and salubrious invitation. Beautiful. Y'all get your dictionaries out and get ready for this one. Ah, so fun. So fun. Well, my name is Jason Michael Twombly, and I'm tuning in today from the land of South Carolina. I just moved here about nine months ago from New York, and sometimes I slide into my New York accent. Forget about it. <laughs> Forget about it. Forget about it. But uh, now I'm enjoying the angle of the southern sun, and it's actually transforming my life uh, on a neurological level to a spiritual level. Um, I am enjoying uh, the South, y'all. Well, part of what I'm going to share is 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 what I'm what I'm doing nowadays. And it'd be fun to even just to catch up some people uh, that I, that I know with uh, what's been going on with me, but also it was, as I was thinking about it this morning, it was fun to catch up myself with the things that I've been doing wow. in a couple of years. So, so Chad, I would say my passion is training families how to become vibrant, joy-fueled and Jesus led at the intersection of neuroscience and spiritual formation. Mm. So, so they can repla- reclaim peace and power in every area of their life. So in other words, we help create a practical pathway for your nervous system to catch up to your theology. Besides reading my eulogy daily, as you, you would imagine a four would do, <laughs> I, I, I rehearse and ground myself in this focus. And that's to passionately touch hearts and train minds through my coaching, consulting, and writing to build communities of belonging and bliss. And some of the ways I show up in this space are in varying roles and capacities. Uh, For instance, Chad, over the years, people would know me as the missionary evangelist. He's the guy who lived in Siberia, 
smuggled Bibles into China and turned training centers for Lenin into training centers for the Lord in Ukraine and Russia. Others would know me as Pastor Jay, uh, the shepherd who would walk with people in their heartaches and hopes. And other portions of my life I'd be known as the teacher, Mr. Twombly, whether as a Christian school principal uh, or teacher. And others would know me as a trainer in the prophetic, uh, sent to specific places to help plant and equip churches. And as grateful as I am for those seasons of my life, I found more effective, sustainable, and satisfying ways of discipleship. And presently, the places that I show up regularly find me uh, in new roles or expressions of my unique design. And so I'd say I spend most of my time these days as a spiritual development coach, facilitator, trainer, healer, and writer. Yeah, and I, folks, I can tell you, I've experienced most all of that through Jason, and I can tell you that it is genuine, and it is beautiful, and it is majestic, and I'm honored to know my friend in those capacities. So, so Jason, since this podcast is called Relational Revolution, um, how would you describe your relationship with God? Oh, you know what? That's a really good question, and because... I'm going to answer that thoughtfully. Let me let that simmer and, and answer that just in a few moments. And while you're doing that, Jay, I want to just talk to our audience for a minute. I am a very aggressive personality. And one of the things Jason has facilitated in my life is learning that it's okay not to answer questions immediately. And folks, let's get over being nervous about the silence. And it's okay to sit. Some of us, we spend our conversations planning our answers, and we're not even engaged with the people. And it's all right when somebody asks you a question for you to say, let me think about that for a moment. Take some deep breaths. And not just give the answer you think someone expects, but really sink into yourself with your own gentle curiosity. How would I really answer this question? It's okay. Chad, what comes to mind as a uh, micro bit, and then I think I'll reference that uh, question a little bit later, uh, but there's a line from Les Miserables that's my favorite, and it speaks about... Um, I think it's a priest, and it says that he didn't just study God, he was dazzled by him. He didn't just <laughs> study God, but he was dazzled by him. And I've been finding uh, that pathway throughout my life uh, where, where the, the very radiant visage of Jesus brings such dazzling encounters with me, but also grounds me in practical ways of peace and power. And spending time with the dazzling savior um, isn't isn't just a majestic approach for you know people of personality types like myself who are mystical but as i've been engaged in some of this uh, coaching and facilitating and training it's also helped me be grounded and to become a skillful instrument um, as Christ disciples me and as I disciple others. And I find myself 
uh, really grateful to coach, consult, and train spiritual moms and dads, pastors, and business leaders all over the world. And since the reimagining of engaging community online, I've been able to see uh, incredible healing and transformation come to life as a spiritual development coach. And so I've been able to shift some of the men's work that I was doing in person before 2020. I used to call them fight clubs. And, uh, and now I'm doing some of that with men online. And I've created a coaching program called Man Cave. And in Man Cave, uh, I help men transform their pain into power, their hurt into healing, and their wounds into wisdom. When men don't have a guide into their inner landscape, they tend to live in their heads and they typically bottle, brood, or blow up their emotions. And unless someone shows them how to connect to their heart and rebuild their emotional infrastructure, whatever they have buried in their life will continue to rule them. And so I extend my coaching also, not just with men, but into the work that I do with Luke 10, with more of a concentration on group coaching, facilitating and training. And Luke 10 focuses on building, I would say they build big people rather than building a big organization. And I love working uh, with the most amazing people from all over the world. But I also show up as a facilitator. And so for me, this is, this is kind of new. For me, I've discovered coaching as a new way of pastoring. And one of the key ways I do this is through facilitating. Instead of me showing up as the expert to dump information on people, I find spiritual formation most effective leading from the heart, from presence. And most of West, Western Christianity is is left brain dominant. And this way of learning is all about knowing more and knowing more and knowing lots more and making sure you believe the right thing. And, and if you don't, I'll preach and teach at you until you grow obese with more knowledge. Mm. You need it or not. And so instead of me answering questions that no one is asking, the art of facilitation enables a pathway for authentic heart-to-heart -heart connection. So good, Jason. That is so good. You, I, I want to ask you a question because you spoke of discipleship as if it's this ongoing thing. And I, I'm thinking there are listeners who would hear discipleship and they would maybe at their church hear about a discipleship class and they'll think, ah, I've been in, in the church for a long time. I don't need to go to a discipleship class because uh, I think many people see discipleship as like learning the basics of Christianity. And, and if you just got saved, come go through 101 and learn how to be like Jesus. But you said discipling others and, and yourself being discipled by Christ as if it was an ongoing thing. Can you help me understand that better? Absolutely. Uh, I'm finding that um, the attributes of God that I so desire and to go after um, with an incredible thirst. Um, it's easy for me as an introvert to um, go on cast, cast away. Was it the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks? And I can hang out with my Bible and, my <laughs> and just. Well, son. <laughs> like Psalm 63 talks about this thirst that one has. And I, and, and I have that. But then the Lord reminded me um, uh, about people. <laughs> wow. And he is so kind to withhold even attributes of himself because he'll have them locked up in the faces of the people I do community with. 
And so moving from a rabid individualism to a type of holy interdependence, I have found that not only is it sufficient for me to have only a personal identity in Christ, but I also need a group identity. And some of the authors I read, they put out the equation that identity plus belonging equals transformation. And that is really the importance of what it looks like to be with those that are discipling me as I disciple others. And I would just say this too, the disciples walking around with Jesus for three and a half years. And I think he had to rewire their, their habits, their hearts, their, their minds, their thinking. And not only that, but in a way reparent who they were. And I'm finding in the second half of life that I'm also um, reparenting others and being reparented in an intergenerational kind of discipleship. That's so good, man. That's good. And, and this is done in the process of facilitation. And so this unique style of facilitating a group, it'll enable the facilitator to induce the gold or to draw out the gold, the strengths, the needs, and the desires of the individuals and the group. And so I love to ask gently curious questions to provoke a deeper experience that unlocks the wisdom already within each and every person. And so the genius of this is that the group collectively is wiser than any one of us. And as we connect to the mind of Christ, each and every meeting, and you're in a lot of these chat, each and every meeting is filled with delight and energy as we create these spaces to be joy-fueled and Jesus-led. This is a whole different way of learning. See, I can know things and I can get you to know things, but what is my character like? What kind of husband or father am I? I can say that I love God, but do I love my enemies? And so what if church looked more relational like this instead of filling my brain with 52 sermons a year? Not there's anything wrong with that, but puffing me up with things that I think I know. And then when the rubber hits the road and life hits the fan, because it will, I act like an adult infant or an adult teenager arrested in my development. I don't want to be a part of that anymore. Wow. I don't want to be a part of systems that neglect emotional wellness and maturity because I've experienced for so long the, the fruit of relationally def deficient soil, and it leads to a distortion and dissonance of Jesus, the son of compassion. And so I want to be a practitioner of what Jesus said and facilitating heart to heart connection is that sacred space to distinguish the signal of Christ from the noise of Christianity. And just lastly, I'll say about facilitating, um, perhaps like yourself, I've led small groups for years and years and years, churches, discipleship training schools. I've trained in business capacities, but I have to give credit to my mentors. I've learned these Jedi like facilitation skills from Luke 10. Uh, the organization I am a part of, uh, namely Tony Daniels and John White. I, I'm so indebted to them for learning more skill and tactical precision in these last three years than my combined 30 years of ministry. So more to come on, uh, on them in future episodes as we hope to have them on for an interview. But before I talk about uh, how training uh, fills some of my days, any reaction uh, from you on on that heart to heart art of facilitation. Yeah, Jay. Jay, one of the things I hear you saying, and I just think it is worth restating, is that 
your relationship with God has been strengthened and deepened by this revel relational revolution or by this connection with other people, like-minded people who are in love with, with Jesus and finding that gentle curiosity to be able to connect, to talk, to go deeper, uh, to go through difficult conversations and beautiful conversations. And that relational depth has strengthened. I hear you saying that strengthened your relationship with God. And I know for a fact in my life it has. Oh, that is, I resonate with that, Chad. And even recently, you and I were on a, a Luke 10 leader team this past, was it this past Wednesday? Yes. And um, I left that call um, speechless, in awe, filled with wonder, epiphanies, emotional attunements. And uh, that seems to be the case uh, each and every week. Uh, how was that for you? Yeah, it was, it's amazing. I remember, uh, Jason, when, um, when, when I first got involved with Luke 10 last fall, and, and I was learning the rhythms and doing the basic stuff. And then one day you, when I was going to the next step and you said, oh, this is going to be so much deeper. And I'm like, how can it be any deeper than what I've experienced? I mean, I've been doing these rhythms and I don't know how And you were like, yeah, but there's new questions. I'm like, big whoop. How are new questions going to change things for me? And we did it. I went to the, um, the, the my first uh, call in, in the next step. And it was so amazing, the level of attunement. And it really was just with gentle curiosity, asking a few questions that made me dig deeper, made me slow down, made me breathe, made me think. And the level of attunement that happens is just beautiful. There's nothing like it. And that's what we're talking about in this relational revolution. That's why we're doing this podcast. And uh, that's why we, we do what we do. And so uh, the facilitation has been a wonderful skill set that I wish I had years ago. But the majority of my time, Chad, throughout the week is spent on training. And I'll just take a moment. And um, as I was even thinking about it this morning, reminding myself what happens. My calendar's book, I do this uh, each and every day. And I haven't had real time to just to, to really reflect on um, all of these wonderful wonderful trainees the Lord is sending to Luten. And I have the honor of training other trainers and facilitators in Luten. Why does training matter, some might say? Well, training matters matters because maturity matters. And if you can't lead yourself well, how can you lead others? And so these, these are our leaders that we equip as spiritual moms and dads to equip other spiritual moms and dads. I train pastors, ex-pastors, military moms with babies on Zoom, on the camera, uh, grandfathers, grandmothers, chaplains, entrepreneurs, people done with church, people planning churches, uh, you name it. And training is the space where I love spending time with people and skill development in order to explore what they do well intuitively, but haven't been able to name and pass on to others intentionally. So we practice, we debrief, and we practice some more but it is relational training in nature. And again, it's not a cookie cutter, paint by the numbers kit approach because every person is so different. And our training team is proficient in a client-based approach that requires our team to be fluent or pursue fluency in the Enneagram, 
unique design, Emmanuel prayer, divine governance or sociocracy, maturity skills, and all things attachments. And I'd love to help any of our listeners build a vibrant family of Jesus in their homes, churches, businesses, and show you simple, reproducible, and transferable skills to sustain in nature your unique expression of the kingdom, whatever it looks like, not to build Luke 10, but to build the harvest field where you live. And training is that space where I discover best uh, where my clients may be missing additional services of coaching and consulting. That is the training sphere that I haven't seen anything quite like it since I've been part of this in Luke 10. Yeah, Jason, I, there's something that I think is important to point out. Many people listening to this, uh, guys, I know that you probably have been involved just as I was, just as Jason said he was in the small group thought of church for years. I don't think there is a cell church plan that I haven't been through since the early 80s, literally, when we started looking at we need small groups, we need cell groups. I mean, you guys, I've I've been through cell groups, home groups, grow groups, um, recovery groups, victory groups, group groups, grouping of the groupies. And, and, And we've done so many different patterns and plans. And so some of you are going to hear something about small group or facilitating small group, and you may tend to check out, but I'm going to tell you that there are things involved in the Luke 10 training that were just missing. Some of us, like uh, you may have been doing some of the things, maybe just intuitively, but the thing that I found, and I'm just going to brag on my friend Jason for a moment, the thing that I found he does so well is helps me to understand what it is that I am doing and have been doing and how to do it better. And through Luke 10, the training that is offered uh, is so rich in helping you understand how not to just accidentally do it sometimes, but how to do it week in and week out, how to have those deep connections. It's beautiful, beautiful. Now, Jason, is there anything else that's on your heart that you would like to share with our listeners? Ah, oh, there's uh, so, so much. And I just ask a four, if there was anything on his heart uh, to share, and I know that your heart is full, but what, what bubbles to the top, Jason, that you would like to, to share? Well, I think I'm, I'm, I'm also brewing the, uh, the thought about how I relate to God. So I want to address, I want to address, address that as well. But as we're talking, we're finishing up the idea of training. Um, it's a, it's a real training community. It's a real training community that we have. It's almost like a college of trainers. And as iron sharpens iron, I'm learning these skills, everything that I've been given, uh, someone has shown me. Uh, it's like someone just passes the ammunition and I just pass it to someone else. If that's uh, a weak metaphor, but uh, I'm really grateful for the formation that I've learned um, from my mentors uh, as well. Well, as I, as I um, explore the other ideas that uh, show up in my, my day-to-day, uh, Chad, I, I really want to, uh, I want to write a book with you, by the way. <laughs> okay, let's maybe, do it. Maybe we'll do that from, from uh, an outflow of, 
of our podcasting together. But for me, I, I, actually, I wrote 13 pages this morning. I was just up early, just really, That's really awesome. just writing, writing with the Lord. And, and so uh, for me, I, I find out what I think by writing. Mm. I really do. And the inkwell of intimate affections made visible on the white page are offerings and invitations for others to explore their inner horizons for healing, inspiration, and comfort. And so together, I'd like to see how we could even um, integrate some of this, maybe with a newsletter, I don't know, but just to write creatively and devotionally from a deep place of prayerful contemplation. Uh, I could see you on the keys in the background. Come on. Presence and marinating there and seeing what comes up. Um, but it's really important for me to uh, to spend some time just marinating on the page. Uh, also, what we do in some of our our calls with Luke 10, just to mention this too, is um, I mentioned that I show up as a healer. And I, and I say that because the healer lives within me. The healer lives within all of us. And so uh, my name means healer. And I found that the sweetest moments throughout all of my week are, are in both scheduled and spontaneous settings that flow from inviting the wounded healer himself to direct. And so whether it's a manual prayer, IFS-based, or a guided meditation, Jesus always shows up exquisitely emotionally attuning with us in his wisdom, compassion, peace, and power. Because that's who he is. That is who he is. Now, what was the question you asked about my relationship with God? I, I, I have a, a, a bubbling up for that now. Well, is there, how would you, since this whole podcast is, um, that we are doing is relational revolution, how would you describe your relationship with God? There, there are so many uh, epics of my life where I would say he was this, he showed up as this, and, and, and he's this. Uh, these days, I like to describe God in a word. Um, and, and that word would be home. Mm. I would say that God is my home. In him, I live and move and have my being. And, and Chad, I see all, all of spiritual work being about a homecoming. See, I'm his child. You're his wow. child. And as, he's always, he always, I've always been his child as long as I can remember. Yet it takes a long time to, to get to know your father and a lifetime to get to know oneself. So I knew God from a very early age. However, there was a time when I splintered off from my heart and I was unable to process some very deep pain in my life. And uh, those were my junior high years. And, uh, but years later, I now realize that to run away from your heart is to run away from your healing. To run away from your father is to run away from your freedom. Mm. To run away from your heart is to run away from your home. And cutting myself off from my heart was cutting myself off from experiencing his healing, loving presence. And it was as if the culture of Christianity was so focused on loving God, loving God, loving God, that seldom was I shown the other part of the great commandment. Sure, I love God with all I got. I was really good at that. But then it says to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I think that I love the Holy Ghost so much that I ended up ghosting myself. Wow. Those around me. That's so good. And so as I, I look back now, it was 33 years ago 
that God interrupted my life again to restore me back to home, back to my best friend. And he began to repair the splintering of my heart. And he made the bitterness of religion sweet, and he washed my conscience clean. He absorbed my pain. He melted all of my guilt away. And he drew me close with a love irresistible and goodness unfathomable. He arrested my affections, and he showed me, he showed me true beauty. He outran my pace from him and gave me the speed to run toward him. Mm. He's never left my side and has a stubborn faithfulness that will not let me go. Many loves a man can have, but there's none like the love of God that is a seal upon his heart. I would give all to have him forever, I like to say, but he already did. I am forever his and I'm forever grateful for Jesus. And, and now, Chad, because I am at home in God and he is home in me, wherever I go, he goes. And for years, I've struggled with trying to reach God out there, whether through getting zapped at a worship event or finding an anointed person to pray over me. And even though he's used those things and they were good, the bliss for me is knowing that there's no separation or distance between Jesus and me. Mm. And instead of looking and searching for him through the universe on the outside of me, there's a universe and kingdom within me. Because I'm one with God and he's one with me, he has never left the building. He has never left his temple, my heart, and he'll never run away from home. Because I'm the address of God, I just have to learn how to open the doors and keep them open. And because this understanding that my primary residence is in Christ, located at home in the Father's house, I'm both two things, to borrow from the language of the prodigal son story, I am safe and I am sound. And there's this piece of art that is known uh, as the Trinity. You may have heard of it. I think I read it in the Divine Dance. And, and this, this work of art called the Trinity was created by a Russian in the 15th century by the name of Andrei Rublev. And even though it's on display in Moscow, it's a piece that kindles within me an invitation and ongoing inspiration. So the painting, it captures Trinity eating and drinking at a table. It's highly relational. And what's curious to note is that the spirit is pointing toward an open and fourth place at the special table. And what's even more interesting is that there's a little rectangular hole on the painting. Rublev, the maker of icons and art historians, and, they, and they, they tell us that there's a residual glue on that spot that could have been a spot for a mirror, perhaps. And if that was the case, I like to imagine the significance. There in the midst of the most tender of all table fellowships between forever love of father and son as a spot, a spot reserved just for me. Wow. It's a picture of the three and me invited, accepted, and available 24-7 at a restaurant that is never closed, even with delicacies at a table before me in the midst of my enemies. Always open, never closed. And that's the setting I find myself both safe and sound. No matter what's going on around me, I'm surrounded in the arms of Abba. No matter what's going on inside of me, I'm strengthened in the sun. And no matter what's going on beyond me, I am sourced by Holy Spirit. And so after years of eating at the table and seeing myself in the fellowship of the Trinity as my home, 
There's no setback or shortcoming in my life that he hasn't turned into the finest food and wine. I think it was Samuel Rutherford who once said, when I'm in the cellar reflection, I look for the Lord's choicest wine. Wow, Jay. I'm telling you, you just described a relationship that sounds like it's, first of all, it's filled with so much peace and glory and goodness. And I don't hear the typical, man, I'm just striving to know Jesus or man, it's life is hard. You know, being a Christian is hard and I'm just really fighting the good. I didn't hear any of the typical jargon that I hear from people sometimes. You just shared how beautiful the relationship is that you have with Christ and the beauty and the glory and the goodness. It, it almost sounds like what Jesus invited us into, right? <laughs> Novel idea. But I just, I cannot let this moment pass by saying, audience, listen to that. Do you hear the beauty of that? That's the gospel. That's what people want. And not not the, the 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 moaning about how hard it is today and how bad things are getting and it's hard to be a Christian. You know, no, it's this beautiful divine dance with with divinity and this relationship you've been invited into a Trinity to to be with Father, Spirit, and Son, and to 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 know that you are His. And that you are his forever. You always have been. And now this dance that you're doing is so full of glory. And, and no matter what you're going through, you are invited into that. That's just, Jason, that's beautiful. Well, Chad, the last, uh, the last uh, pulsating that I have on my heart, and then we could turn to maybe just a, a, quick, a quick few questions you could ask me, um, personality or fun things. So, so I... Uh, can enter into the the mundane with our audience, but there's something that I want to share that that uh, George McDonald, George McDonald, poet, playwright, author, right, spiritual um, master to, to C.S. Lewis, he said, uh, Scottish Presbyterian, nineteenth century. Well, McDonald said that um, th th this haunts me quite regularly. This statement, he said that good souls, many will one day be horrified at the things they now believe about God. And Chad, I'm finding that God in this relational revolution that we're discussing, that God is more loving, more kind, and more gracious than I've ever dared to dream. And it's my daily prayer that he would add stretch marks to my imagination <laughs> to behold more and more of his beauty and majesty. And it would be my delight that our listeners would join us as we explore the possibilities of Reimagining church in this relational revolution in the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, showing us how to live incarnationally, literally meaning how to live in these bodies of ours amidst all of the beauty and the brokenness of life, living an integrated, whole-brained, and full-hearted life led by Jesus and fueled by joy. And so for those listeners who have regularly bumped their heads into the ceiling of spiritual development within their Christian background, you are invited to train with us as we together upgrade our maturity skills and relationship with God more than your church experience may have given to you. It's our desire to see a vibrant family of Jesus within easy reach of every person 
in every region and people group on the planet. And we do this by seeking to connect and equip leaders, spiritual moms and dads, to nurture ecosystems of grace. If that resonates with you, it'd be our joy to hear from you. Absolutely. And, and friends, Jason Twombly may be the only person you will ever hear about or you will ever hear saying stretch marks on my imagination. And I just want, you know, I'm not going to ask you to bow your head, but if you need that from the Lord, just ask him right now. <laughs> I want, I'm just praying that right now, Lord, I want stretch marks on my imagination. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Jason and I were talking about doing this podcast one day, and I said, you know, here's the thing, Jay. I know you are going to share beautiful quotes from early church fathers and amazing poets and authors, and I'm probably going to be more like sharing quotes from Goofy, <laughs> and I'm okay with that because my friend put stretch marks on my imagination, and I am so thankful for it. Hey, Jay, let's do one thing before we, we uh, finish today. I I'm going to let you, you can do some Twombly top 10 favorites if you want, or you can tell us some unique things about Jason, things that might, or, or both, whichever one you'd like to do. But I, I don't want our, our guests to think we just walk around clouds. We, um, <laughs> we're real men who do real things and um, real people. And I, I share with us some interesting things about you. Absolutely. Well, I have uh, a list of top 10 uh, Twombly faves, so uh, this, is, this is kind of fun to do. Um, I, I'm the, I love to do icebreakers when I'm teaching classes, and this, these are not icebreakers. If you heard them, um, I might have to uh, edit myself. They're, they're amazing. Uh, they're a lot of fun. So here, uh, what would be my favorite movie? Uh, toss up between Rocky and Lord of the Rings. Important for me. Favorite authors, toss up between John Steinbeck and Victor Hugo. Favorite poet, it's hard to nail that down. I would say it's between John O'Donohue and David White. My favorite song, hands down, is Bridge Over Troubled Water. My favorite athlete uh, is homage to Michael Jordan. I used to have a cutout of his face <laughs> from my Wheaties box, and I duct taped it to my car, my first car. Very strange. I, I really thought that I would make the list under favorite athlete. <laughs> I'm okay. Keep going. I'm okay. Hold on. Uh, favorite meal, uh, chicken parm every time. Uh, favorite dessert, chocolate chip cookies in any fashion. Come on. Uh, for real. Uh, favorite coffee is Lavazza. Bit of a coffee snob. Uh, favorite beer. Uh, Kentucky bourbon barrel beer is my current favorite. Uh, favorite book of the Bible, uh, Gospel of John uh, and the Psalms, I'd say. Um, some uh, brief, unique things about me that my listeners may not know, and I may not reference any of these in, in, in any season. So here we are. Um, I am an Enneagram 4, Myers-Briggs personality, INFP. Um, uh, let's see. I love playing pickleball. Um, daily meditation is indispensable for me. Um, also, that might be peculiar as I named my previous house in New York, the Shire. And my new home is called, my new home is called Petra. And I named uh, my dog Prince Caspian. <laughs> He did. That is beautiful. 
So, Jay, you told us a lot of stuff about yourself. I feel like we all know you better. There are some things I learned on there. Um, I'm, I'm glad to know that. Very good. So, and this is what general curiosity brings up just by uh, your active listening on, on your end chat. I thank you for that. And I look forward to uh, interviewing you and drawing out some of the uh, majesty and maybe peculiarities of Chad Waller. I feel like we will find a lot of pure <laughs> peculiarities. Just trying to say that word. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much for joining us today and hearing this. Um, it, it means so much to us that you would take your time to join in with us. And uh, yeah, uh, coming soon, I'm going to bear all and, um, and I will uh, listen to some of Jason's curious uh, questions and uh, do my best to let you get to know me.